Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a new edition of Harmonics. Today, I got two legendary rock and roll stars from back in the day. They are exceptional, and they are still playing. I got Bob Manning, who is the drummer of the new Fenderman, and Dana Schultz, who is the lead guitar player for the new Fenderman. Gentlemen, it's great to have you again. Thank you. Thank you. God, I, I, you know what? I can't believe that you guys are... You know, in my presence, you guys have such a great history. And I'm, I'm going to talk to Dana first, Bobby. Is All that right. okay? That's right. Dana, tell me how the new Fenderman, or basically Stanley and the Fenderman, how did that all evolve? Okay. The Stanley and the Four Fenderman started around 1964. And again, uh, I was playing with another band and kind of broken up. And so for about two months, I was coasting, and I decided I was going to start another band. And so then uh, I got a hold of Ron Stearns, which I knew from high school. It's just kind of like he knew uh, Ralph Medina, the drummer. Mm -hmm. And then Ralph knew Stanley. And then again, we started playing. And uh, we did uh, the 1965 Battle of the Bands. We won first place in that. And then after that, uh, Ralph had to go away for a couple of weeks. We needed another drummer. And I knew Bob because I was playing with Alan and the Flames on the side and so uh, the guys liked Bob so well we, we stayed with, with Bob and the group and then uh, we went on from there and it just seemed like everything just took off from that. Mm -hmm. I think you know uh, Bobby you I think you are a huge influence on how the sound of Stanley and Fender when, uh, was at the very beginning uh, your style and everything tell me about when you met these guys obviously you knew Dana from high school yeah. but tell me how that all evolved how you looked at it your perspective. Well. I was playing. We were doing a rehearsal at uh, at uh, oh, we were doing a rehearsal at uh, at uh, at, at, at uh, what was it? Oh, I forgot. Sunset? No, at uh, Ron Stern's house. No, Ron Stern's house. Yeah, yeah, but before that, when I first met you, we were over at Alan Alan's oh, that's house. Right. That's Alan right. says I want you to see a new guitar player that I have, and mm -hmm. that's where I met him. And uh, after a couple of rehearsals, he comes over. He says, Bob, do you want to? Joined the Fenderman. I don't know who the Fenderman were. Mm -hmm. Stand on the Fenderman, and that's how we got got guard. I joined that group and quit the other one. <laughs> you guys have have a long uh, a long friendship, and uh, when you guys were doing Standing in the Fenderman, and yeah. you you did the battle at uh, Sunset, Sunset was it High at, School? It was that that was the first one that actually. Was the very first one we did it at. Yeah. And you guys had a very unique sound. You guys were doing like the. Uh, you know Chuck Berry, the Little two Richard. The two songs that we we did in that in that uh, event was uh, um, High Heel Sneakers with Tommy uh, by Tommy Tucker. Great and we still play that. No, you kidding me. No, we still want to sing it with you guys. We still play that. 
Really? We had, that's on our sets. Really? On our set, yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> so that's so cool. You know, Dana, when you were playing, what, what kind of, what was your instrumentation when you when you started playing? What was your guitar and your, uh, your rig setup? Well, originally I was using a, a, Gips, uh, a Gill Starfire. And so then when the Fenman started, we, you know, we all decided that, I think Stan had a, a Fender guitar was, and he got it painted black. So then that's when I needed a, a change. So I kept the Starfire, but I got me a, a Fender Jaguar, a black Fender Jaguar, Jaguar. which I wish I would have kept, oh. by the way. And uh, so we used that during the old time. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, um, when we got drafted, um, you know, I came back, and then, uh, you know, the course, the group was broken up by, during that time, 1970. Right. Mm -hmm. So then I decided to turn around and, and uh, buy this thing right here, which is a Gibson SD Custom. Mm -hmm. And it was made in 1968. So you've had that for how, since 68? I'm the original owner of it. I bought it in 1971, but on the back side of it, the serial number shows it was made in 1968. So, wow, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Had many people want to buy it, but it's not for sale. No, it's not for sale, man. That's going to go. That's that's a family heirloom Absolutely. for the future, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Uh, it's in great condition. Yeah. What was your amplification? What were you using? Uh, well, I started with a Fender Bassman, mm -hmm. and then once the Fenderman started taking off, we all got Fenderman Showman amps. Oh, they were With great. two 15-inch Lansing speakers in them. So, mm -hmm. uh, so again, we use those. We even use those for the PA system, mm -hmm. and. Uh, Man, I mean, everybody liked them. That there was close to, uh, crystal clear sound, and still and, uh, do like them. People still want those amps. Yeah, but you, they don't make them anymore. I know. Uh, I know. What was? Did you use any pedals or any effects when you were we just didn't, straight? We didn't have that kind of stuff. At least uh, the only thing we did was uh, some feedback. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, uh, but that we didn't have the fancy stuff that was out. Oh, I take it back. We did have a. Uh, it, there was a Gibson that made a fuzz tone, mm -hmm. and that was the very first one. It had a battery pack in it, yes, and that was it. But that's the only sound effect that I had, which we used on many of the songs, from the Stones and the Animals and things of that kind. So. Bobby, uh, what was your what was your setup and your drum setup when you when you joined up with uh, Sammy and the Fenderman? I had a, uh, a Gold Swirl uh, Slingerland set that my uh, parents bought bought me, and uh, it was a beautiful set, and it was of course it was all all wood, mm -hmm. and. Uh, uh, um, Dana still remi likes reminds me likes the sound better than the set I'm using now. Yeah. That's a better sound. Really? Yeah. Now, what kind of gauge? Uh, what kind of drum sticks were you using? Oh, just I don't remember that. No. I, that's you're talking a long time ago. What do you use now? What would you use now? Well, I use when I'm playing. If I'm playing jazz, I use seven uh, A's. When I'm playing uh, 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 funk and soul, I use the five uh, uh, A two two B's. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing rock, I use five A's. And I go from Jill's and to uh, I got. So many different types. I love experimenting. A lot of drummers like to use one type, and they just, and, you know, I use all. I like to try all of them. I'm always trying to, and whatever feels the best that night, I'm going to use. Mm -hmm. Whether it's a big, if I'm playing outdoors, I'm going to use the heavy, like the marching sticks. So when I crack the drums, it sounds like a shot. I love it. You know, and when I'm used playing in small clubs, I might even use the seven, uh, the seven A's because a you, softer. softer. I mean, it's you can still the crack, but it's not overwhelming. You're not right. gunshots going through the, you know, through the, the through halls. the, yeah. You know, uh, you bought that in in '71. You said, yeah. How much did you pay for that? Two thousand dollars. Wow, so you I had to trade in the uh, I had to trade in the the Guild Starfire mm -hmm. and the Fender Jaguar to get this. Oh. What a beautiful <coughs> beautiful guitar! Uh, you guys obviously were you were influ uh, influenced by uh, the British invasion. Yeah, 
and some of your guys that you liked, you liked the stones and the animals. Right. What what was that about that per period of time? Were you guys playing before or that just ignited your interest in music? Well, we were playing a lot of the Chuck Berry stuff, uh, uh, Little Richard stuff. And, uh, but when, when I think it was when the Beatles came out and they really started off. Um, and then you've seen the, the animals come out and the stones and of course when you're playing as a group, you, you, you want to be turning around and, and, and trying to accommodate the audience. Right. You want to be playing what they want. Yes. And of course, you know, we start off with a lot of the uh, 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 Stones and, I mean, uh, Chuck Berry and all this. Uh, mm -hmm. But then we, actually, I don't even know if we played any of the, after we started playing some no. of the Stones and the, and the, uh, uh, the animals. animals. We played mostly the animals and the Stones. We did play... Uh, 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 um, uh, the Beatles. Yeah, we, we eighty percent of our songs. stuff was uh, the stone. Yeah. I mean, the animals. And at that time, we were basically the only band that played that many animals. Yeah. Everybody was going the Stones and the Beatles because they were just coming out. And here we're doing the the animal stuff. Right. You know, the animals are such a great yeah. influence. And uh, don't let me be misunderstood. Of course, the House of the Rising Sun. Yeah. But they were just such an influential. Uh, yeah, group. they were great, great musicians all the way. I love our, their music still to this day. Our, our uh, band, our band was pretty much geared towards the, uh, the Stones and the Animals. We, yeah, that's what they we seemed to be a very good fit for it. Mm -hmm. And again, because we had the same instruments that they were using, mm -hmm. uh, so we had a tendency to start playing to a lot of their material. towards them. Did a lot of their material. You know, you guys, we talked earlier just a little bit. Um, you guys won the battle. Yeah. It changed your musical lives. And how, tell me, Dana, how did that change your music lives? I know you started playing with some some great... You, well, once we won the, the uh, once we won the, uh, the Battle of Bands in 60, you know, in 65, uh, a lot of the guys, when we started doing that, they didn't really didn't want to play in it mm -hmm. because they said they weren't getting paid. So again, I said, you know, you got to look at it from a perspective of wanting, you want to get exposure. Yes. We weren't known there during that time. So again, once we uh, won the first place in that, then we we just took off. And then um, we we actually played in another battle bands over in um, Berkeley at the Lucky 13. I remember the Lucky And then 13. we played also at the San Mateo Teenage World's Fair, which actually we came in first, but they gave us second place. Uh, because Bull we didn't have original material, and Bull Brummels Bull won Brummel first won place. place. But because we did uh, come in second place, there was 250 bands, was, I think. It started on a Tuesday, and it was uh, it went eight to eight-something hours. And every time we finished playing, we had to move our... Luckily, we had our fan club there. They would sit there and grab all of our mu music instruments. You're over there, they won, you got to go over to that stage. And they had four stages on the inside and two stages on the outside, six, six stages. And we'd done that thing all the way until Sunday. And, and when we when we came in uh, uh, second place, when, the thing was that we went to Catalina Island and we opened for the Yardbirds. Yeah, you know that's that's what I wanted to bring up next. You guys went to Catalina, and then you guys got to play with the legendary Yardbirds Absolutely. with Jeff Beck and Jimmy, Jimmy Page. Page. Tell me about that. That was a, quite an experience. I mean, it was just it was so new to us because again. Um, you know, to meet these two guys, uh, we, we rehearsed with them. I watched Jeff Beck no further than five feet away, and he was just was awesome. Mm -hmm. And so when we played that night, uh, there was 2,000 kids playing there, and they blew up their equipment. <laughs> and so the manager came up to us and said, hey, you know, we, we need to borrow your equipment. And I said, you're not borrowing mine. You know, it, it's, uh, he says, don't worry about it. We'll take care of everything. Uh, so... Um, we didn't have much choice because there was going to be a riot. we were afraid there was going to be a riot, so we turned around and lent them, and they blew up our equipment, 
<laughs> they chartered a helicopter the next day. They flew all of our equipment to the Fender Company down in Fullerton, California, reconed the speakers, put new tubes, and brought it back for the next performance the next night. They had another, another set of equipment. I don't know where they got it from. Pretty, pretty amazing. Tell me, and then you, they had, mm. I'm going to ask Bob first and then I'll come back to you. <laughs> okay. They had, because Bob Bob likes to talk about this party. Tell us about the after party after you guys played. It was, that was, it was pretty. Oh, yeah. It was, it was pretty, it was wild. <laughs> it was some of the stuff we can't bring up now, but it was, it was, I could understand. <laughs> it was pretty, it was pretty, uh, you know, I mean, it was, I don't to be re it was wild. That's about all it I was, can it tell was, you. To me, it was an honor to be able yeah. to chum with these guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, you know, uh, there because again, I had bought their 45s before you yeah. came down there. For your love. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, so song. it was just a real you. honor to be able to. Now, Paige was playing bass at the time, right? Yeah, you know, I don't. There's some controversy with that because again, it shows on 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 the website, uh, uh, August 23rd, 1966, that Paige was playing bass. But I'm I'm trying to think the the, the, the other guy that they were playing bass and guitar, and I remember him. Mm -hmm. But again, all on the website it shows he Jimmy Page was playing bass. Mm -hmm. um, I think actually both of them were there. Mm -hmm. But again, I don't know how that. Yeah, they were what? both there because I looked up on there. It tells you who was playing where. If you get on there, there's a site that there's all of the Yardbirds. Yeah, all of the because Yardbirds. we were talking to, we were talking to them and uh, had a had a. You know, it was a wonderful experience. Mm -hmm. Once we started playing with those guys, then it, it plateaued. I mean, it plateaued for a little bit, and then we took off, and we were opening. We were doing things with, uh, well, Bob can tell you about um, John Fogarty with Creedence Clearwater and yeah, Jim Morrison. Were they with, uh, when you played with Fogarty, were they the Pollywogs or the, were they, they were the, the Gollywogs? The Gollywogs, they, the there Pollywogs, they were. The <laughs> so there they go. So how was that? Well, when I, Dana went into the service, and I just got out of boot camp. So when I came back, Stan says, "Hey, you guys, you know, we're playing a, uh, one of, uh, we got a job." I said, "Where is it?" They said, "Well, we're doing a uh, at the uh, Oakland Coliseum. We're doing it with the Doors concert." I said, "Well, that's fine. We'll go down, <laughs> play with the Doors with Jim Morrison." And uh, uh, they were setting up on the side stage there, mm -hmm. and we just got finished playing. And this this guy comes up and he taps me on the shoulder and I, he says. Uh, he said, "You guys sound pretty good." I said, "Thanks." I said, "Yeah, we're the we're the Gollywogs. I didn't know who these people were." He says, uh, "You know, next." Uh, oh, then he says, "My name is John Fogarty." I said, "I, I don't know who John Fogarty. I've never heard of the guy." Mm -hmm. So he says, "Next week we're gonna we're gonna go over to San Francisco and we're gonna record our song." Mm -hmm. I said, "Oh yeah, that sounds good." I said, "I hope I listen to it." And I'm listening there, and about a month and a half, two months later, all of a sudden I'm listening, and and it comes on. Wait a minute, he says. He said his name. The name of the band was Creedence Clearwater. So I, that cut into my head. I said, wait a minute, that sounds like the same guy that was talking to me. And it was. Back in those days, it wasn't John Fogarty and, and Creedence Clearwater. It was just Creedence, Creedence Clearwater. Clearwater. Right. It was just CCCR. But that, uh, they had a number one song, which was really, really nice. You know, I, I, I want to talk about some of your stage clothes back in the day. And um, you guys used to have matching outfits, right? Yeah. That's right. That's and one of them. This is this is right here. Is how old is this shirt, Dana? Uh, we got that probably in 1965. <laughs> a little old. <laughs> in fact, uh, and it was, it, it was made by Playboy. To, yeah, I guess. Yeah, and mm -hmm. and it, it was supposed to have an alligator texture to it, mm -hmm. but it's been ironed so much. I guess it's pretty well. Yeah, you can uh, actually see uh, bits of it down oh, low, yeah, down, yeah. down. You guys wore wigs. Tell me about that. Well, yeah, we we wore wigs. How that. Transpired was the was the fact that you know of course as you know, um, back in the day the animals schools. were going on and uh, the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, 
And again, our manager said, you know, you're going to have to have long hair, man. You're going to have long hair. And, I, and, and our folks said, no way. Not, we're not growing long hair. Mm -hmm. So we told our manager that. So then we, we were playing at the Newark Pavilion in Newark. Mm -hmm. And these two girls show up there uh, in the back when we were getting ready to play. And he says, uh, we got the wigs here. I said, wigs for what? I says, uh, well, the manager sent us down there. You guys got to wear wigs. I says, uh, and I said, you know, so anyway, to make a long story short, that's what we started doing. And a lot of the pictures you see of us it's wigs. were wigs. I mean, uh, went over in San Francisco underneath the Golden Gate Bridge and everywhere else. It's uh, a great promo shot on that yeah, boat. Yeah. Let's, let's look at these. Look at this still. I, I, I love this shirt. I, I just really love this shirt and these pants. And, and Bobby was telling me that you could still get in them, possibly. I can still wear okay. these. Yeah. Uh, I was actually larger than I am now. I lost some weight and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But this was built, um, bought over in San Francisco at Stanford's. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think the label says Stanford's in it. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we, I remember Bob and Stan and I, we were all going over there. Mm -hmm. We had to get some wild clothes. Right. And so. Uh, for the show and everything, mm -hmm. so that's what we, uh, that's some of the stuff. I was fortunate my mom kept them. So uh, I just, that is, uh, that yeah. is very fortunate. Tell me about your situation in, in 66, you guys did a thing with, uh, you know, Russ the Moose. Oh, yeah. Well, Bob tell you that. Bobby, he, tell us he that pretty story. much bought all that. Well, we're, I was talking to Pete Paulson, we were in front of the old Prings. Wow. And uh, he says, Bob, you know, I entered your band in, in the, uh, in the, uh, who's going to be the most popular band in the Bay Area. I, told, I said, we ain't going to win this thing. I mean, you got all the great musicians and bands in the Bay Area at the time. He says, no, you got a good, you got a good following. We'll see what happens. So a Sunday night, I remember we were down there talking, and he says, he says uh, I want you to listen to something. He's coming on now because he knew what was one. And here comes Russ the Moose Syracuse, mentioned that the Stanley and the Four Fender Men had more call-ins than any other band in the Bay Area. And we were we were going against like Grace Slick, we were going yeah. against all the all the great bands uh, in the in the Bay Area, and I was shocked when I heard that. And the only reason why we got so many because we had a good following. Mm -hmm. Every place that we went, it was just we had a real good real good following, and they all got on at once and they flooded for us. <laughs> that's that's beautiful. You guys are are uh, now called the New Fenderman. Yeah. You guys are playing again. Yeah. And really, I, I want to tell the audience before we go any further, these guys are really good. Don't let them fool you. They're not wearing the wigs no more. These guys come to play. <laughs> much you know, they they come to play. So you guys are playing. Yeah. Right now and you guys are called the new Fenderman. That's right. Who are your new who are your other guys that are with you? Well, we're using uh, Mike Cantrell, which mm -hmm. plays does the vocals and rhythm guitar. Uh, he was originally from the Just 6 during our era. Mm -hmm. So again, um, Kenny Sims. Yeah, and he played with uh, oh jeez. Yeah, the Just Six. Mm -hmm. And again, we have Mike Tringali. Um, now he's the baby of the group. He's, he's around 55, 56. And he was probably around 12 or 13 mm -hmm. when we were out there. But he does a tremendous yeah. job on the, he's our punk on the vocals. Yeah, he's a I punk rocker. He, he, he does. He has his own punk rock. So we got punk blues, and rock does, all he, mixed together. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he can play guitar, but he plays bass in the group. Yeah. And he does all the vocals, too. So he's did a tremendous job. And uh, we really appreciate him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about you guys got into soul. You got into soul, or was it Dana and Bo the new Fenderman got into soul? You got into a soul. Tell us that little story about Bobby Freeman and you at the oh, Le yeah. the Leamington. I, 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 we got to put that on the air. Tell us about that. Well, we were doing a uh, concert with the uh, Turtles and Dick and Dee Dee up, upstairs, 
And, uh, you know, that mountain so high in there. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. think of anybody. And we were doing upstairs, and they were in between the uh, uh, setting up the stage, and I knew that Bobby Freeman was playing downstairs. So I go on walking downstairs, and they were on break. So I went around, and I asked, I forget, there's somebody in there. I said, well, who's the, who's the drummer of the band? The guy points at him, and he's over there, sitting at the bar. So I go over there, and I ask, and I said, uh, you know, my name's Bob Manning. I'm the drummer upstairs. We're playing there. And uh, I says, is it right if I sit in? He says, well, can you play? And I says, yeah, I'm playing on, I'm, oh, you're, you're playing upstairs in the concert. Yeah, yeah, you can go ahead and sit in. He said, do you know anything about Bobby Freeman? I said, yeah, I practice this stuff. So I get on stage, and here they come out. I said, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm sitting back on the stage, and all these other people on the, this band, this big band that he had there, keep looking at me. They don't know who is this guy on the drums. So this guy comes out, he's, ladies and gentlemen, Bobby Freeman, and he comes out and he's standing, I'm not going to stand up, but he's standing, and he turns around and looks at me, his eyes get real big, he comes over and he says, who in the are you? <laughs> and, and I said, I says, I'm upstairs playing the, he says, where is my, what do you call it, drummer? I said, he's over, I didn't point, I said, he's, he's over there next to the bar, he says, can you play? I told him, yeah, I'm playing with the, the uh, do you know how to play my music? I said, yeah, I know how to play. You know, he said, okay, you sure? I said, yeah. So he, got, he had no choice. Yeah, so he got up there and he, we, played, we played the swim mm -hmm. and we played another group, another song. And then he comes in, ladies and gentlemen, this is Bob Manning, the drummer upstairs, go upstairs and listen to his group and the whole bit, you know, and they were doing a concert with Dick and Dee Dee and, and, and he says, give him my right hand and I'm gonna bring my drummer up right now. And, that was pretty neat. That's and the, that and was then he awesome. went back up and, and joined in with uh, join us with playing with, oh, with the turtle is, turtle concert. That is such <laughs> a great. That's a great story. Let's 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 swing it out a little bit. Uh, let's talk about Bill Corey real okay. quick. Tell me about Bill Corey. What yeah. Bill Corey means to you? Bill well, to all Corey, of us really. But Bill Corey had the biggest effect on my life as a musician during that time because he gave us so much opportunity to play at, with some of the big, mm -hmm. uh, well-known groups. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it was just, he, uh, I think we've all talked about him as kind of like the, uh, the godfather of, yes. yeah. of uh, during that era, mm -hmm. you know, and, and again, he was up there right with Bill Graham. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, actually, I think he, he had as much potential as Bill mm -hmm. uh, from on this side, of, east side yeah. of the bay. Yes. But, uh, but Bill is just, he's, it's just an honor to be a part of him. Part, you know, part and, of Bill. And he'll always be a part of our life. Always, mm -hmm. always. Yeah. Bob, how do you feel about well, he he basically I agree with everything he said, but he also gave local bands a chance to play with the greats. Mm -hmm. I mean, nowadays, if you want to play with the greats, you got to go overseas, you got to right. go on tours. We didn't have to. Everything came here. That was right. the explosion of the flowers music, the psychedelic music, the uh, uh, funk music. Everything came from the Bay Area, and they had to come through here. You know, look who came through. You know, the uh, the Doors, the, uh, the Creedence Clearwater. Everybody came through here. The Beatles played over there. Right. You know, everybody came through here. So what they wanted was local music. So that's where they had, hey, Fenderman, I want you to go play over here. The Just Six, I want you to play over here. You know, and that's why we played with some. We hadn't go anyplace. We were playing with these famous musicians, and we're getting a name for ourselves because as soon as you go out there with them, then they relate you. I've seen you guys play before. You, oh, you guys played over here with this group or that or that right. group. That exposed us, exposed me as a musician to learn how, how do musicians act on stage. How are they supposed to, uh, uh, especially the drummers, what type of rhythms that they're using? What's the correct way? Instead of standing there and just playing, how do they move? Do they move this direction? It was like going to school, right? And it didn't cost. And we we're getting paid for it, and it didn't cost us anything. Mm -hmm. And plus, we were getting, we we're getting, we we're getting playing with famous people. It was, was great. You know, that's what a compliment, and that's how that's the learning experience, and you're paying your dues. 
we are all in a book called Then and Now. Yep. Uh, there's two editions. A third edition is coming out. How does it feel to know that that the second edition is now in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, I, I just find it incredible. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, we never really expected mm -hmm. uh, it to go that far because, again, um, you know, he came out with the first uh, edition, and, mm -hmm. and you know, we, we were in it, and it was great and all, but we didn't hear much about it. Mm -hmm. and, and we, in fact, then when the second one came out, Bruce Talzer, who is the author of the right, group. Right, Bruce. Sent me an email. He says, "Hey guys, I says you guys are going to be on the front cover of the, the second edition." I said, "Are you kidding me?" And I said, "Yeah." I mean, he says, "We were just an, uh, you know, it was just an honor to be yes, part of it right. and be on the on the front on cover, cover and be a part of this thing, that you know, it has had had such an effect on everybody's lives." Yes. You know? Actually, not even just the guys in the bands, but people that want to know the story. Yeah. And that were there watching yeah. us play and other bands. There was there was hundreds of bands during that time. It was a hotbed during that time of, of all the groups. Uh, a, a tremendous uh, a tribute to the music scene at this particular time. Uh, to have that, uh, to have a third edition, I understand that that's coming out. Hopefully yeah. in the summertime we'll all be there. Uh, we're going to bring harmonics there and, and film it and get you guys back on. But, you know, it's been great having you guys on. Yeah. You yeah, guys are really, yeah. and now I'm going to speak from my standpoint. You two guys are been influencing in my life, but what you also are, you give inspiration to other people. People don't realize how good you guys are, but how you're both rock and roll gentlemen to me. Well, you know, it, it was it was an honor for you to invite us to come down yes, here and and uh, kind of tell our story of where we were during this time. Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully, people can learn from it and appreciate during that time. Mm -hmm. uh, what was really interesting, I have to say this real quick, mm -hmm. we played one night, uh, and again, it shows you how, how, much, how much older we are. Mm -hmm. We were playing one night uh, at a place here in the Bay Area. I won't mention the name of the, mm -hmm. of the event or anything, but anyway, we were playing, and Mike Contrell says, okay, people, we're going to play oh, this yeah. song called um, um, Johnny Be Good Johnny by Be Chuck Good. Berry. Mm -hmm. And this girl, I think she was probably about 45, came up and says, who's Chuck Berry? So that, again, I mean, it, it that puts it makes in perspective you, how far. Who's Chuck Berry? He's one of the greatest rock guys ever lived. Yeah, she yeah. didn't even know who it was. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> you know, she's you know she was a young girl. So again, during that time, she wasn't yeah, around. Didn't, you know, didn't, but right? it, but it was it's been an honor and an and incredible uh, experience to still be able to play and rock it. You know, still and, rock and, it. You guys rock it. Yeah. You know, I'm going to ask you guys to put on your shades. <laughs> you know, and we're going to go look out and into TV land to all our fans out there, your fans, harmonic fans, and uh, we'll wait for Dana. Okay, hold on there let, let, Let's get this axe right yeah. here, being that I'm a lefty. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do this because- uh, You're kinda stuck over there? I'm stuck it in it. Well, we're gonna let you stay cool with your guitar then. Let's stay yeah. stay, stay cool with I'll, your guitar. No, I'll just, I'll leave it there. Okay, and uh, <laughs> we're gonna look out into the audience. You could, you could play a little bit while all we're right, doing this. Right. and. You know what, while he's playing something, whatever he's playing, Bob Manning and I, we're going to uh, throw everybody a kiss. We want to thank everybody and thank the new Fenderman for coming tonight. So here's a kiss to all our fans. God bless you. God bless you. That